Are you ready for a success story? Today, we're going to talk to a mom who overcame the odds and reunited with her children. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. Completing a case plan and attaining reunification is one of the most difficult things a parent can do. Today, we have a mom who did just that. I want to introduce you to our special co-host, Mac. So we just want to welcome you and thank you for coming today, Mac, and talking to us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, do you think that you could tell us a little bit about your story, about um, you know how you came to be in this uh, situation that we're in today? So I just had a problem where I couldn't handle my feelings, so I started um, using and then... I couldn't stop and I got my kids taken away from me. I did what I could the first time around, but I was not doing it to the full extent that I needed to. So my kids got taken twice from me and this time around I have more support and I put in everything I have to get my kids back. So, Yeah, and uh, that's going to happen in the very near future, isn't it? Yes, very soon. <laughs> it's so exciting. And I just have to say how like how much I admire you for sharing all of that. It's just really brave and really admirable for you to be willing to share all of that and to even do all of that. Just takes a ton of work. Yeah, I have to say, you know, of all the kids that come into care that I've seen and all the parents that I've met, it really is rare to see someone actively make change in their life. And I've definitely seen that in you. So um, I just think we both think you're awesome. We do. You have to just turn yourself inside out and you've just done it. Yeah, absolutely. It was not easy in the beginning, <laughs> but it was definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, what happened when the kids were first removed from you and how that affected you. Because when that happens, that is a trauma for both you and the children. So when my kids were first taken from me, um, they went with a family member. And um, personally, I think going to family members is just not a good thing because they already have this biased opinion of you and they they don't seem to help you as much as um, the state would as if they went to foster care. Um, I was terrified when I found out my kids were going to foster care. Like I wanted to know where my kids were, what the address was, what's these people's <laughs> first and last names. <laughs> But I didn't get that right offhand. Um, but eventually I did get more information. And honestly, them going to foster care was the best thing that could have happened. 
So in your case, and I, I had forgotten about that, and now I'm kind of remembering, is that when they were initially removed, they went to a, a relative. So in that case, you know, at least it was somebody you could call, right? But then, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. And, you know, I definitely, just to support what you're saying, I've seen a lot of situations where children went to family members in other cases and, um, you know, whereas the parent thought that this is the best thing because my kid's going to a family member and, you know, at least I know the child is still in my family and, you know, I, I know where they're going. But a lot of the times when the child goes to a family member, they're, um, you know, instead of it being like an unbiased third party, you're going to someone who's already quasi involved in your life. And sometimes can hold things against you and make it a little more difficult for you to progress. So I have seen that in other cases. Have you seen that? I have. And it can, it can really be both good and bad. I've seen family members really work against the biological parent and not want the kids to go home. Yeah. Because they, they're they at their, you know, they're, they're kind of like, see, I told you so. Right. I told you this was a bad situation. And look, now we have your kids. Right. And, you know, they're getting, just kind of gathering I mean, obviously, there are some, like, biological relatives that take kids where it's, like, the best case scenario. Sometimes grandparents will take a kid, and it's almost as if, you know, the child wasn't removed from the family because they're able to maintain those relationships, and the grandparent is able to. But you know what I've seen a lot, and I think we've talked about it before, and you've mentioned this as well, Kat, is that a lot of the times relatives will say yes to having a child place with them because they feel guilt or a responsibility to do it, but they don't actually want to do it. Right. And then so their actions really do play out like that, and kids can kind of tell that they're not really wanted yes. there. so they're operating out of resentment. And I, so I've had conversations with, like, grandparents who will say, I'm supposed to be retired right now. I'm supposed to be, you know, enjoying right. my life right now, and instead I have five kids. And I've said things like, you don't have to do this. You know, because kids also deserve to be in a place where they're wanted. Right. You know, like, so, and then they'll say things like, well, I have to. I have no choice. Right. You know, so I never really end up knowing how those situations turn out, but those are sad situations. And I do think foster care is a better situation in some of those situations. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it really depends on the dynamic. Um, So, but what you were saying is that when they first came into care, they went to a relative. So at least you knew where they were. But then they went into foster care and that was like a scary, it's almost like a whole second trauma because you're like, oh my gosh, they're taking my kids from this place that I know. And whether that's good or bad, but you don't know where they're going next. Yeah, that and, must and have been terrifying. That was pretty much it. I mean, slowly they started coming out with like what their school mascot was and I was really nosy. So <laughs> I Googled and found out more information. Yeah. But I mean, I've got to say like if, if, um, if I were in your shoes and my children were removed, like the first thing I would be doing is gathering as much evidence as I could to find out where they are and to try and make sure they're too. okay. So like, I don't think you should be embarrassed about that. I think that's like totally natural and it just comes out of the fact that you care about your kids and want to make sure they're okay. Absolutely. My kids also don't know how to keep anything to themselves. So that's like true. on visits, <laughs> they would tell me anything that was happening. Yeah. They would tell me how many kids were there. Yeah. They would tell me names. So my kids... <laughs> My kids help me out with my uh, nosiness. They they are definitely fact providers. (laughs) Um, How long do you think it took before you got your first visit when they were first removed? Let's say when they were placed with a relative. 
Um, so when they were placed with the relative, and like I wanted to talk on this too, being placed with a relative or like a family member or someone else's family member, I've seen a lot of parents don't get their stuff together because they're with family. When you put them in foster care, it's like that shock and it's like crap, I have to do what I gotta do to get my kids back. But my visits were um, actually, <laughs> the first visit was on my birthday, which is coming up. Ah, so, a little anniversary there. Yeah, yeah, my first visit was on my birthday, and it was at a library with the kids. And um, I sat on the floor with the baby when she was like three months old. And yeah. when I sat on the floor, all the caseworkers stood up and looked at me like I was going to like take my baby out of the room. When you sat on the floor with when her? When I sat on the floor with her. Yeah, I would say that a lot of the times when you go to visits, like parents don't necessarily always... Um, interact maybe because they're nervous or they're worried about and I think that's a big thing about when 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 parent time is happening with their children is that you know they feel like everything they're doing is being judged and I've had other um of my kids parents tell me that is like you know that visits they can't wait till they get unsupervised visits not because they're you know doing anything wrong with their kids but because parenting your kid with someone over your shoulder makes you feel like Am I doing the wrong thing? Like, right. I wouldn't right. want to do it either. Yeah, whenever I had my visits with caseworkers, I would always feel like, well, what if I, like, yell at them? And they're like, oh, you shouldn't be yelling at them. And it's like, <laughs> you really can't discipline them because somebody's watching you. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, if you say the wrong thing, you have to watch what you say because they're, like, writing it down all on yes. paper in the back corner. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that. How long did it take you to start making progress? Um, so when they first got removed from me, I didn't have a court date for about a month. And, um, it's not like anything bad was going to happen if I continued to use for that month because they were already taken from me. So I had a month to do what I wanted to do. And then once the judge started telling me everything I needed to do, I got on the ball. But I mean, it took me a month to actually, you know, be like, okay, I did mess up. This wasn't everyone's just being mean to me. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean, you, so you took responsibility at some point. That was, and one of the things that I brag about her um, all the time is that, you know, aside from just being really honest, like whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, she's honest. And I feel like everybody makes mistakes, right? Oh, yeah. And like whether we get caught in our mistakes or how big our mistakes are, or whether we have the kind of support to avoid certain mistakes, you know, is all just a matter of chance. But when you're honest, and I tell my kids this all the time too, is, you know, I'm not worried about you sneaking this or breaking this or doing this. What I'm worried about is how you handle it when I ask you about it. Like, I always tell my kids, the only time you're going to get in trouble is if you lie. So, and it's so funny to me that, like, they still will lie about things sometimes. It's like, you weren't going to get in trouble except you lied about it, and I know you didn't. So, you know, I just... Um, like, I think honesty is one of the most important things in the world. It is. And no matter what you do wrong, like, if you can be honest about it, then that's the hugest thing. And so in addition to her being super honest, I feel like very early on she took responsibility. And so, and I, I always say when, when people ask me about, you know, um, how you could kind of tell when kids are going to go home or not. To me, the measure is whether a parent takes responsibility or not. Totally. And, and sometimes that's not always true because sometimes kids go home and parents are still like, I never did anything wrong. And it's yeah. really just a matter of, you know, a, a, a judge on a certain day or checking off some boxes right. and people aren't paying too much attention. But that's not common. Right. Nine times out of ten, when a parent says, I messed up and I'm going to fix it, those are the only kids that go home. A lot of parents... 
come in and, you know, especially when you have your child taken away from you, um, that's a trauma. That's upsetting. It's a scary position to be in. And when you have something like that, it's like when, when, when you lose somebody, there's grief and you're looking for someone to blame, right? It's true. We were just talking about this with someone when we were talking about both of us have lost family members in the past year. And the first thing you want to do is, well, really, the first thing you want to do is blame yourself. What could I have done differently, right? Which is what we both did. Right. Which is what we both did. But also, you're you're looking for someone to blame for that person having passed away. And I feel like when someone removes your child from you, which is like, you know, as a mother, that's... What is worse than that? I mean... Right. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is blame somebody. So it's very common when a parent has their child removed is that you know, they're putting the blame on someone else. So a lot of the times when kids first come into care, you know, I hear a lot of, um, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand why they took my kid or, you know, you know, I even had a kid once who had told me my mom didn't do anything wrong. They just, you know, they didn't like her. So they wanted to take me. And, um, and so when I see parents who are like, I totally messed up and it affected my kids, which is this, this mom, a hundred percent. And, and, and that's the mom who makes a change. And that's a mom who like, you know, is there for her kids. So, right. I would agree with that. I've been in the courtroom and I've had a, you know, a parent, you know, get up there and say like, thank you for removing my kids because my life was in a totally negative place and I was able to turn it around and I got a job and I did, you know, A, B and C and the judge totally softened his heart towards her and sent those kids home. And that's generally, the, those are the parents that generally are able to get their kids back. Like the catalyst is instead of pointing outwards, looking inwards. However, I recognize how difficult that is because it is a loss and it is a grief. And it's really easy to say, this was really unfair. And I do think a lot of the process of removal can be really, really unfair. I, I don't, you know, I don't take that away from them. And so I think it's really, it can be really difficult to overlook all that trauma and say, okay, let me look inside and see what I have to do now. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. So what do you feel like the catalyst was that made you take responsibility like that and start making changes in your life? Um, I think what the big thing was, was when they were put into foster care and then I couldn't see them, um, whenever I wanted to, when they were with a relative, I had pretty much open access. I could come see them whenever I wanted to. And then when they were put in foster care, like I couldn't see them whenever I wanted to. I literally had a little bit amount amount of time with them. And if I wanted to get them more, I needed to get my crap together and do what I needed to do. So basically, it made you fight for them because, yeah, yeah I could yeah. definitely see how that could happen. What are some of the biggest changes that you feel like you've made over this period of time? Um, honestly, I dropped all of my so-called friends. Like, I don't have, I don't talk to any of them anymore. I had to delete them off social media, like, block them on text messages, mm-hmm. and then um, I had to like it's actual supports where before I didn't want to do that like I had to go into inpatient rehab and that literally made me cut off everything (laughs) you were not happy about that I was not happy and I think I called Jack once a month and was like I'm packing and leaving (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving I'm not doing this anymore and she'd be like no no you're almost done stay there (laughs) you don't want to lose the girls just stay there and then I'm like okay you're right I'm gonna stay I'm just gonna give it another week then we'll go from there yeah, I, I feel like, um, 
you know, it would have been really easy for you to say, no, I'm not going to do it, you know, but uh, you did it. And you, it was, you know, I, I felt like it was very characteristic of you. You like had this determination to get it done, but you made sure everybody knew that you weren't into it. <laughs> um, case managers pointed out and my counselor pointed out that nobody thought I was going to go in. I was like, I was going just at my time, not your time. Like I need to deny a couple <laughs> beds first and then I'll go. Right. But they all said I wasn't going to go. And I was like, no, my kids mean everything to me. Like I didn't want to go, but I went. I knew you were going to go. And when they told me that they, when they told me too, that uh, she's not going to go. We know she's not going to go. And we're going to start the TPR process. And I'm like, she's going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't know why I was surprised that they didn't think you were going to go. But I, uh, I had no doubts that you were going to go. I was just, you know, praying every day that it, you know, wasn't too hard because it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, you told me in the beginning, this is like jail. It is like jail. I had, I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't see anybody. And then COVID hit. So then like I lost yeah. all in-person visits. So that sucked. Yeah. But honestly, if it wasn't for you pushing me, I probably would have like, I probably would have went eventually, but it was, it probably would have been too late. But you pushed me where it was like, it's not that bad. Just go. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Yeah. What do you think rehab, the inpatient rehab did for you? It made me cut off everybody that I didn't want to cut off. Really? Yeah, I had, and that was, that was one of the harder, hardest things I had to do. Um, the people that were my so-called friends aren't really my friends because if you're getting me high, you're not my friend. Like, you don't care about me. You've seen my kids were taken away, and mm-hmm. you're continuously like, here, have this. You're not my friend. Mm-hmm. So it made me cut everybody off, and then I think literally not seeing my kids for, what was it, four or five months, like, that was really hard, and, like, I never want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, there was good and bad with COVID. Um, the, the bad, obviously, was that you lost visits. It made it more isolating. It's already so isolating to be an inpatient rehab, but yeah. then it was more isolating because, you know, nobody could come visit you even. Um, but, but then the good side of it, which is also bad, is that because it was so horrible, it, like, motivated you and kind of forced you. But, like, really kudos to not walking out when the whole world was falling apart and you did, like, the hardest thing in the world to do when it could have been just as easy for you to be like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm going to go out and, you know, maybe they'll TBR my kids. Maybe they won't. But, you know, at least they'll get visits, right? But you push through. And without doing that, you wouldn't be in the position you're in now. I want to say the rehab really did help me. There was a tech there that I would have a meltdown and be crying and she would stop everything she was doing to come in there and um, make sure I was okay. If I wanted to leave, she'd be like, no, you've come this far. You're doing so good. And I still talk to her now. Like I see her when I go to my transitional housing. So she's still around and like, I'm really thankful for her. I couldn't stand her when I was there, but I love her now. (laughs) (laughs) She's great now. Yeah, that's so good. It's kind of like you labored for your kids twice, you know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or three times. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of that, how important do you think, because, you know, not to take, uh, I, I feel like, you know, so much of this has come from your determination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of parents be put in the position you're in, but not endure the way that you have. Um so, you know, that's coming from your own inner determination. But how helpful was the support? You know, I know that your mom is a huge support to you. Um, and how much do you think that really kind of helped, helped you to be able to accomplish what you needed to? 
So, um, in the beginning, like my mom is, my mom is my best friend. Like I can go to my mom with anything, but at the same time, my mom wants to believe that I'm doing so good. So like all the time that like when I am messing up, she doesn't want to believe it. Right. So, um, I did have therapy with her when I was in my rehab and, um, I had to let her know, like, don't yell at me and tell me you think I'm messing up, but like have a conversation with me. And she did actually do that when I came home. I hung out with, um... A friend that um, my brother had a baby with, but I've known her since I was like in eighth grade and she was the first person who ever used with me and she sat me down and was like, I understand you're doing good, but I don't want you to have that, be in that situation. So like, if you want to see her, like you have to be supervised so you guys don't, you know, that's awesome. off the wagon again. Good for her to wow. like be part of that accountability for you. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, she's, she's pretty great. She, I know that uh, your kids love the heck out of her. And that's really cool that, you know, you get to have that relationship. Yeah, I love my mom to death. She's amazing. I probably wouldn't be where I am without her either because, like, she made it where I didn't have to... I could I had to stand on my own two feet to come home, but at the same time, it wasn't so stressful where I had to pay for everything. Where a lot of people, that's what they have to do. Like, my mom didn't want to stress me out. So when I first came home, I was only working, like, 20 hours a week. And, like, I didn't have to pay for anything because I pretty much paid for whatever the girls needed on our visits, and that was it. And even then, she still wouldn't even make me pay all of that. Wow. <laughs> Where other people, they, like, literally just have themselves to depend on. And, like, it is stressful when you're, like, new to recovery and you're trying to work a full-time job and do what whatever's on your case plan and see your kids. And that stress is, like, sometimes it's, like, well, why am I even doing this? Like, it's hard. But right. I, I had my mom's support and I had your support a lot. Because, like, there was times I was going to be like, I don't want to, like, this is hard. I don't want to do this. And you guys <laughs> are like, no, you got this. <laughs> well, you did. You did have it. Yeah, you did it. I have a question for you. What do you wish foster parents understood about biological parents? Like, if you could just think of one thing that most foster parents may have misconceptions on or not understand about biological parents, what would you tell us? So, I mean, you honestly understand a lot, but most foster parents that I've seen through through um, other programs and where my son is currently at, um, they think we made a mistake and that mistake defines us where you don't and you see that I can do good and I am, I'm not a crappy person. I am not a bad <laughs> mom, but like you, you let me, you let me prove that where my son's foster mom um has this look that I messed up and that defines me and she doesn't let me um have a chance to prove her wrong yeah I think that um I I would say when when I would want to look at you know foster caregivers in general like one of the weak points is definitely that a lot of us um make uh pass judgment on biological parents without really understanding where they're from and when you start to understand you know what they've experienced and why they've experienced there's a much bigger person than the actions that they took on the day or the reasons that their child was removed and i think um that's definitely something that we all need to check ourselves on all the time and even you know even as we're co-parenting and have more kids that uh come through our homes to remind ourselves that and have more patience and respect, especially for their parents. Yeah, I think too, you know, oftentimes we're faced with this situation where two things can be true at the same time, that a situation can be heartbreaking and the situation that caused it can break your heart at the same time, you know, and unfortunately Absolutely. that causes removal sometimes. 
Okay, and what do you think foster parents can do to help biological parents more? Um, I think if foster parents, and it has to, I don't know, because the, the biological parent has to be willing to change before I feel like the foster parent should, like, offer any more assistance. Like, get to know them and see, like, see maybe why they made their mistake and see what they can do to help you. Because, I mean, at the end of it, like, we're all just trying to help each other. Like, everybody just wants the kids back with their biological mom so I mean get to know them and like offer help if they need help or like even when you're reunified with your kids and like you need a break because kids are hard and it takes a village to raise them (laughs) they are hard hard. (laughs) offer that assistance don't just be like here's your kids back I'm never gonna see you again because that's also not fair to the kids because they've grown bonds with the people they've lived with I think I think most foster parents that I know just love the heck out of when we hear afterwards like hey can they come hang out or do you want to come hang out like I think that's the absolute best stories that you ever have with any kid that has lived in your house is when you get to maintain that relationship after and I was talking to um, someone who works with um, you know uh, child um, mental health uh, yesterday and she was saying how like the most important thing and this you know, goes in the whole co-parenting thing is when ev- the child, once they're reunified, once, you know, if they're not able to be reunified, if they're adopted, the most important thing is that that child gets to have everyone that they love in their life. And that yes. means if they're reunified, that they still get to have their foster family yeah. in their life. And if they do end up having to be adopted, that they still get their biological parents in their life because they love them. Right. So I, I think that's huge. And I love that you let us maintain our connection and, you know, you know your family to us. So, um, but so what you're saying is what foster parents can do to help biological parents more is to just be encouraging and understanding of who they might be have patience for them as they're growing um, and to uh, be willing to maintain relationships, right? Yes. Okay. So what can case managers do to help biological parents be more successful? Be that support that they need. Don't be like, this is what you need to do and like, just do it. Um, Like if somebody needs help with something, like help them and like, don't be um, criticizing on them or... So I, it sounds like what you're saying is more communication, right? Yeah. Um, being more supportive. What do you think the system can do in general to help biological parents be more successful? Honestly, and it sucks, it's going to suck for some people, but like having the relatives be a caregiver for the kids at all. Like if you would have taken that away from me in the beginning, I probably would have got my crap together so much faster because then I didn't have open access to them. Like I would have got my crap together. If you wouldn't have taken them and, like, broke that bond that I needed to be broken, I wouldn't have. You know, that's interesting because I've wondered that for various cases, you know. And then and then when rights are terminated, it's such a tragedy. Yeah, if you just take out relative caregivers, which, I mean, it sucks for the kids. But at the same time, like, I got blessed with where my kids went. And I love where they're at. And, like, I have open communication with them after I was doing good. Mm-hmm. But whenever they were with family, like, I didn't. I didn't have to get my crap together. Like, why? I can go see them yeah. high and nobody's going to say anything to my face at least. Yes. Yeah, I've actually seen cases where kids were initially in licensed foster homes and then were moved to relative placements. And as soon as that move happened, the parents stopped even taking phone calls from case managers 
because they knew they could see their kid whenever they wanted. And there was no sense of urgency to complete the case plan and get their kids back because, Mm -hmm. hey, they could keep living the life that they wanted to, not make change, and still have access to their child without having to have the full responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I I could definitely see how that could be helpful to, you know, to have that urgency Mm -hmm. required. What advice would you give to other parents who have had their children removed? Do what you need to do and don't wait and push it off. Like, it sucks and nobody wants to do it. But once you get going and you start doing it, like, it's not hard. Because in the beginning it is hard. Like, I remember when they told me I had to go to four classes a week. And they were, like, an hour and 45 minutes long. And, like, I made a joke, like, do you want me to bring a sleeping bag? (laughs) Ha, 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 funny. (laughs) I had to bring a sleeping bag to the next one. (laughs) But (laughs) if I were to just done what I needed to do then I wouldn't have had to go an inpatient yeah okay how does it feel to be reunifying this week honestly I just want to cry I probably will cry (laughs) um because I did it like I got my stuff together and they get to come home and like even though they're coming home their bond with their foster mom isn't going to be gone like she can always call them because my daughters do have phones <laughs> at 6 a.m at 6 a.m <laughs> at 6 a.m but they they still have they have they get to come home with me and i love them so much but they still have their foster mom which they love too well we really appreciate you joining us today thank you so much and for we just adore you and yes, we do are grateful for everything that you've shared with us and how it's going to help you know other people who are going through what you've been through but also it really helps foster parents to have a better idea of the other side of the equation because you have to really put a face to it to understand and and really to be supportive and and that's the best way to help your foster kids is to help their parents it really is well that's what we got for you today thanks so much Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.